Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Guts Racing. Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing, amazing dude with an amazing company that create unbelievable product. On top of that, you'll find that their customer service is second to none. Great stuff over there, and you can save yourself some money as well by entering discount code BIGMX20 at checkout to save yourself 20%. WSA, all things wheels. John Anderson, Kristen Anderson over there. Honestly, great people, and I can't say enough good thing about their product. Fantastic wheels, and on top of that, you can just go ahead and buy yourself a set of spokes, set of rims, or even grab yourself some hubs right off the website. And when you order through W, if you mention Big MX Radio, you're also going to save yourself 10%. You can save 30% with Faction Supply with discount code BigMXRadio at checkout. All one word, BigMXRadio, save yourself 30% on Faction Supply. They've got some really cool duds to make you looking really cool when you're uh, you're in the pits or just some awesome casual wear. But they also have gloves that you as well as I know. Gloves are really tough to really dial in and, and find your perfect set of pair of gloves. In fact, there's a lot of guys out there who will wear the same pair of gloves for basically as long as they possibly can. That's, the, that's exactly what the situation you'll run into with Faction Supply. They have really cool colors and the gloves themselves, they just work. Also on board with us is Epoxyit. If you're in Southern California and you need a brand new floor, get your floor redone by our friends over at Epoxyit. They do amazing work, they work extremely fast, and the product is always incredible when it's done. You're gonna really have you're gonna be really happy with the finished product when you call up Epoxyit. Also on board with us as a brand new sponsor, I am pleased and proud to say that we are on board with Maple Ridge Motorsports. Maple Ridge Motorsports. Maple Ridge Motorsports, located in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, is your one-stop shop for all things moto, and they are your family fun store. Go check them out online or go in and meet their friendly staff today. Go check those guys out. Unbelievable organization. Can't say enough good things about Sandra as well as Troy and their son Devin and Maddie over there as well. They are all amazing people, and if you're looking for something for your motocross bike or body, they probably have it. Go check out Maple Ridge More Sports today. All right, now let's get on with the podcast. We are live here on YouTube for the Big MX Radio Glendale Supercross pregame show. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. Most honestly, this show isn't even really my idea. Uh, this is mostly to blame. Like, if, if you are enjoying this, you can thank Chris Riesenberg. If you're not enjoying this, you can also blame Chris Riesenberg because uh, a lot of that has to do with him just being excited and wanting to to have a show. And uh, yeah, a little bit of chemistry when I was honestly just looking for somebody to break down and preview. I think it was the 450 class uh, or maybe it was the 250 East or West rolling into the season. And that has blossomed into the best kept secret in the sport of motocross, um, a show that uh, just gains momentum every single week. Um, we, we love seeing so many new people watching and, and commenting some really nice feedback that we got on social media. Um, but we're two minutes into this thing and I have not introduced, uh, my, my good friends and also my co host for the, the, this show, uh, a YouTube show like no other, um, starting off, he is the 1990, 125 East Supercross champion. He's got eight total Supercross wins in the 125 class. 
Um, he had one of the coolest looking Fox chest protectors back in the day when all of his Electroset numbers were sort of like cut out perfectly, sort of like side by each running into each other. He is the 360 in your program, likely number one in your hearts, especially if you like X-rated stories told over YouTube. He is Denny Stevenson. Well, hello, Brad. And uh, what an introduction, man. I'll tell you, I'm, uh, if I ever go on Johnny Carson or uh, Jay Leno, I'm going to have to introduce you. That just shows my age because clearly my championship was 32 years ago. And uh, most people probably listening weren't even alive then. But uh, thank you for having me. And Checkers, thank you for all the hold work. Brad, you're not feeling well. I've been running a little late, but uh, happy to be here as always. And we had a great show last weekend in, in Arizona or not Arizona, Seattle. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, this is my version of the flu game, game game. I am not hungover like Michael Jordan likely was for that. I just feel like absolute dog water. Uh, but we're going to soldier soldier through. We will persevere and we will put in a great performance. Speaking of good performances, we just talked to Denny. Speaking of something that always leaves you asking for a little bit more, and that's why we keep doing more shows is Chris Riesenberg. Uh, I'm amazed that he's able to um, to show his face on a week after, I believe he went one and five in the versus questions. Uh, there will be some sort of uh, public punishment disp- display of shame, um, very much like uh, the Stonecutters episode of, of The Simpsons, where like they detached the, the the stone of shame and then maybe if he wins a few of these he might get the stone of victory which is ironically bigger but uh he leaves without a trace he came here tonight to get on my case because i'm taking too long introducing everybody chris riesenberg how do you spell your last name i before e except after c <laughs> perfect i now so- know that thanks to my most recent article on on uh, verb which did feature oh. none other than chris riesenberg and uh i i misspelt it on my phone, I misspelled it in the article, and then also uh, my 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 uh, my boss chased all over it at Verb uh, didn't catch it either because of course how could he? And uh, and that's why um, that's just that many more people that more than likely spell your name incorrectly. Uh, I blame Troy Dog. It's probably his fault. He's the CEO. He should have caught that mistake. Fair enough. I I mean I'm part of the part of the Pineapple Squad, so um, right. I blame him and. I guess your performance maybe wasn't as bad as my pick on picks were last week. So it happens, but it's a new week. So we can, we can, we can mount a comeback. We can mount a charge. Um, I actually, I think I put in extra questions this week so I can make up some ground that I lost um, or I can lose even more ground, but we don't think that'll happen. Sabotage baked into the pie. Uh, Before we introduce the race tech rewind, soaking up all of the hot topics from this last week, I have a gripe. Something's been grinding my gears. Uh, Checkers, I do not yet have gold valves. I have like six of these because you were nice enough to send me them to give away to the Big MX Radio faithful. And we are trying to give away a set of these uh, gold valves tonight on the show. We're going to come up with a way to do that. Um, But uh, I don't have gold valves in any of my bikes. and. yeah, I blame I blame you, but also myself for for being neglectful of um, that. Well, there's this website that you can go on. It's www. You might want to write this down. Racetech r a c e t e c h dot com, and you can order your gold valves, and then you can have plusher suspension with better bottoming resistance and increased traction. But did you know that suspension's not just bumps and jumps? but an actual properly set up motorcycle will 
go where you want it in the corners, hook up, track up, and all around feel like a better bike. I didn't know that either when I was racing for a long, long time until I finally had a good set of suspension. And it goes right along with what Paul Teed always says, the best you've ridden is the best you know. So why don't you go out there and get some good suspension from Racetech and try it out and then tell us about it. Um, and you should probably do that, Brad. It's about riding season. It's coming around the corner. Oh, hell yeah. But enough about us slow old vet guys riding. Let's uh, let's dive into this Racetech rapid rewind. Oh, man. It's not actually going to be rapid this time, though, because we have a little bit of a different show schedule. So we'll actually let you guys evaluate along these headlines a little bit. But um, Eli straight Chuck Norris roundhouse kicks Alito off his bike and grabs his red plate back. The Sexton ship hit gets hit by the Alito cannonball and sinks out of the title fight. Denny, I know you're going to have a lot to say on both Eli, like flipping the switch mid-main event, going completely James Stewart style through the whoops, wide open, pass guys. And Sexton, I, I think that the ship might have sunk, although he is still not mathematically eliminated for this title yet. So I don't know if I'm going to, I mean, I'm, I'm already drowning with the ship, so I might as well stay on it, right? Like continue to lie to myself that he's in this title fight, even though he's not. Well, if, if you've learned anything from me over the years is, is never give up uh, a, an opinion, whether it starts to be wrong or not, just ride that son of a ship into the ground. Just captain it, man, wide fucking open. So you're and saying I there's a chance. <laughs> and I know you came into the season uh, of, of, uh, you know, all in the this, this section uh, ship or the championship bandwagon, and he's actually rode fantastic here. Obviously, uh, he has been the fastest guy multiple times. Uh, yet there's just a constant brain farts that uh, put him on the ground and, and makes mistakes. Um, jumping on red red cross flags and, and whatnot and I, I think he's so in emotionally just fucked right now honestly it is just a terrible word but you know I think we've seen him year over after year race after race just his emotions kind of get the best of him uh the nations he did great but I think he was very nervous and this year he's, he's battling with two of the best I mean Cooper Webb and Eli Tomac when it comes to grind and pound and um they will break you. And I think that they have, and, and Webb kind of a, did a little uh, look back finger point at him in the heat race that I thought nice. uh, was funny. And, um, but Tomac, yeah, he, the first lap they came to the whoops, I think it was the first turn. I mean, all 22 riders looked like sea riders going to the whoops. I don't think they had looked to the prey lap or they're all stuck in the rut. And then out of the blue um, with Eli and everybody kind of selling their ways, I actually have the man on right now. Um, to kind of just keep me up to date because it was such a great main event racing this year has been so fantastic but Eli went wide and decided fuck it I'm just gonna get some momentum and get this bike going up on top of him instead of fighting this long rut that was out of a corner that was so slow and um, Eli got the job done once again and it goes back to when you guys were calling him Alito Mac and people were like man is he done you know is he finished is he uh, you know and I'm like man he just won Daytona like two weeks ago and it still was only three points behind Coop and now look at him, two red plates, heading into round 12. Uh, what a fantastic season we're in for, or we've been having, and what we're in for these last uh, what, last five or six rounds. Yeah, it was definitely pretty neat watching um, Eli at both um, Indianapolis and again in Seattle kind of find different lines that are outside of the main line and stay away from some of the deep ruts and the gnarly stuff. Um, you know, by, by going wide, he was actually squaring all the way back across the inside where everyone else was going inside to out, and um it probably made it a lot easier on himself to be honest and he wasn't he didn't have to ride down i saw some of the guys like trying to ride down the hay the tough blocks between the rut and the the tough blocks and that gets super sketchy because you're right by the tough blocks plus you're trying not to drop in and start swapping off the edge of the rut um that line choice and just experience in veteran riding is is pretty nuts from tomac um 
speaking of looking like a veteran, um, Jet Lawrence was was really, really good once again. Um, Jet flew through the air and then to the top of the podium. Jet and McAdoo crashed dirty, but Jet cleans up the main. Um, I don't even know where you want to start with that, Brad, if you want to talk about Jet's dominance or the crash in the heat race, but I'll let you take it away with whichever of those and take it away. All right. Well, uh, starting off in the heat race, because that's where the conversation really sort of is directed. The main event, for the most part, was a bit of a snoozer, except for uh, a late race charge from RJ Hampshire. Um, I'll just go ahead and say ill-advised. Like I like the fight of Cameron McAdoo. I like, obviously, he feels like he he wants to take some swings and race with Jet which is something that a lot of people shy away from, or maybe not shy away from, but just straight up, they don't assert themselves to try and really put the tools to this kid. Um, Like the body language of a lot of racers seems to me uh, of that of just sort of like, yeah, it's his year and there's nothing you can do about it and just sort of move on. And, um, and yeah, hats off to McAdoo. It was it the best move in the world. No. Uh, Was it, was it a little bit ill-advised? Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, kind of no harm, no foul, because it didn't end up being anything as far as um like a tight, like they no one was injured. Um, I'm sure that the front of Jet's bike was a little twisted up, but he was obviously no worse for wear, still able to win the main main event. Uh and and then yeah, the main event was just no another piece of evidence uh that uh Jet Lawrence is um He's certainly the the fastest in the class, either coast right now. Um, I honestly, I don't, I don't think he's a ton faster than his brother. Uh, you're splitting hairs there, uh, maybe a few tenths of a second regularly over a few laps. And at that point, uh, if they race each other, when they race each other, it'll be about track position and who's sort of feeling it on that day. I think it's they're they're that close. Um, but on the West coast, I don't think there's anyone right now that can, can seriously, seriously run the same pace as jet Lawrence right now. I think that guy got hurt at the first round and, uh, yeah, the series has been hurt ever since. For sure. Like you have to assume, and I think we've talked about it a little bit on this show that, that it's conscious for McAdoo to immediately attack back and, and try to rough up jet a little bit to get him out of his out of his rhythm and his routine because if you could let him get away at all he's he's gone they can't catch him speed wise when he's dialed in so they have to do something to try to mentally rattle him um i watched it over and over again and you know basically the the way that that corner you kind of float into the rhythm and you drift to the right as you come into that section just naturally because you're still turning as you're getting into it and jet i think a new cameron was coming down the inside and he just straightened up and and went straight down the section where cameron still was drifting right um, went to step off that table, steps right into the back of him. And um, while that was the race line, I mean, you have to have instinct there that you have to, yeah, you're still turning and you can't jump into the guy, um, unfortunately. And it was a racing incident and mistake that was very, very costly in the moment, you know, but it really, yeah, like you said, didn't become a big deal because they didn't get hurt. Um, but you got to think it's like almost like Cameron's panicking in that situation of, I have to get him back right now because otherwise he's going to get away. And yeah, I'm but, and to be honest that he didn't have more than a couple of straightaways there. Like, yeah, that's not the best place to, and he ran out of room and they ended up coming together, but has, he, if he waits 15 more seconds, maybe two more corners that the, the window is closed. So um, you can still call it ill-advised because it didn't work, but 
the other option was just watch Jet race off into the night. For sure, but I mean, at the same point, he can't be putting himself on the ground and yes, and causing more injuries. So, um, I'm all for them going for violent- racing. It was a violent crash for both of them. I mean, obviously, anytime you crash when you're tripping to a rhythm section like that, and uh, we kind of always give shit about these tough blocks, but I think they've saved a few saved a few lives already this year. Um, you know, with Eli earlier, and then um, as well with um, with those two because it was pretty violent. They flipped. I think they caught the, the, the tough blocks actually slowed the rotation of their bodies down and stuff. But uh, Jed has been so buttery smooth, and you can't get away from it. And, it's hard to blame Cameron because uh, he is that guy who puts 110% in and he knows balls to wall finish is what's going to get the job done. Hopefully most of the time for him. And uh, the main event was the same. I think they had a great main event. Uh, he's got to be having nightmares about RJ Hampshire. I, I can't imagine what he's going through that this time he actually chased RJ down to the end and, and, and got passed at the very end by uh, RJ once again. And uh, man, it's just, they're both three riding phenomenally very well this year. And it's nice to see them all staying healthy. And we got the injury bug out of the way before the season and everybody's staying healthy, which is cool. Yeah. Speaking of the, the Hampshire thing, that's actually brings us right to our next headline. Deja vu, not just a strip club anymore. 250 podium, yeah. exactly <laughs> the same for the fourth time in five races. Denny McAdoo gets run down late again by Hampshire. And in four of the five, except for that one triple crown, that was um, the night that McAdoo and Hampshire both were laying on the ground, hurting themselves. And Jet can, couldn't get it done. Um, it's been Lawrence, Hampshire, McAdoo. Uh, what do you think? It's crazy that uh, you'd think that eventually Cam would get the best of RJ. And it's got to be eating him up because, you know, he wants to win. And he hasn't even got, been able to get a second. You know, he's been struggling just to beat RJ Hampshire, who's a fantastic rider, obviously. Looks more comfortable in that Husky. I think we've seen him in a while. Uh, his rhythm through the whoops, his aggression. And then to chase Hampshire down after rj passed him you would thought he was good and then here comes rj with two and a half or about a lap and a half to go does the perfect apex pass that i think we've talked about before if anything just you and i on text thread with our with our buddies uh rj landed at the very beginning of the berm he pivoted and went straight for cam's front wheel or the middle i think he surprised cam i think he straight up surprised him i think it was so fast i mean it was such a a quick pivot because like I've always said the easiest way to punt someone in a last chance qualifier is you think you let them think they're falling you on the outside. And then when they go inside to kind of block you and drift wide, you've already pivoted at the beginning of the berm or the bowl or where the first help block is, and you just go straight to the bowl. And that's basically what RJ did. And he did it with a full throttle. And I think you're totally right. He got to the point, he got to the apex or not the end, but the end of the bowl before Cameron got there, where you really would initially con- uh, have contact. And uh, RJ just had a fantastic ride. Uh, it was cool that they kept uh, Jet in their sights the whole time. There's a couple of times they gained on him and kept him honest. But I think we all know Jet right now is uh, is riding that. It's even like Hunter is, but I think they're both riding about 90%, knowing that if they can stay off the ground and they're already out front, that they don't have to push it that far. And um, But once again, it'd be nice to see somebody else in that podium because those three have been kicking these guys' asses. Yeah, I'd have to give a quick shout-out and some, some credit to RJ Hampshire for maturing a little bit this season because – I've always put him in like a very similar category to a Jordan Smith type where he's crazy fast, but constantly crashing and constantly on the ground. And other than the Anaheim two crash where he blew his hand off in the sand, um, he's been much better. He did push the front end while leading, but I think that's just both Cameron and um, RJ. They're trying so hard to beat Jet Lawrence because they know he's so perfect that they're almost making themselves make mistakes. 
Um, I feel like it's back like when McGrath won all but one race during the season. There was multiple races that that year where there was guys that maybe could have beat him, but they were they made mistakes because they pushed themselves into mistakes trying to be extra extra better extra good. And they and they were racing with each other. I think we were kind of leading to that. Yeah. Like RJ and Cameron, I think it was just one of them that they'd have a better shot at chasing down Jet or at least running with Jet. Or, but they're so not consumed, but they're battling with each other that they're giving up time, they're making mistakes instead of focusing on getting to jet that I think that sometimes that messes them up. And uh, that's very similar. It's a perfect example. Great, great job of that with McGrath because there were so many good riders that year. They were right behind Jeremy that, you know, the Rocco Fro, even Factory Phil was crushing it that year that um, they were in Rhino. They were, they were busy kind of killing each other and letting Jeremy either get away or catch them and chase them down, which is Jet has done all year as well. So that was really good, Checkers. Well done. Wow. Look at that compliment. That's awesome. And <laughs> the other thing that was really, really <laughs> similar is yeah, uh is jet example. starts are are very much like jeremy was too like he is out front right away in sprinting week after week after week and i don't think those guys are gonna be able to beat him from behind so they're gonna have to figure out a way to start in front of him um and then try to throw him off of his game so we'll see though we're going back to a triple crown in glendale we'll get to that in a little bit um <laughs> and he hasn't won one of those yet so we have we have one one thing that we can look at, um, which was a great response when uh, when Daniel Blair goes, "We're going to it." Uh, you know, he just kind of wrapping up the interview on the podium after he won the main event. And he goes, "You're going to we're going to a triple crown next week," and I think it caught Jet a little bit by surprise. He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> right um, back in the 450 class, um, Webb shoots his shot and heat win, but stuck watching Tomac pull the win in the main. Um, Brad Cooper throwing a little attitude out there which is always exciting and awesome for us to talk about and and whatnot but you got to back it up in the main event don't you yeah you know what my favorite cooper webb is an angsty chip on his shoulder um cooper webb that is really able to sort of uh execute his race plan to the best of his ability and just move forward everything about his day this last weekend uh on for cooper webb showed me that he was frustrated that he was letting his emotions get the better of him and that he didn't feel comfortable on his motorcycle uh he looked as pissed off as you can possibly get uh after a second place finish um although if he doesn't like that just ask chase sexton about uh about not winning races uh ones that you felt like you should have won but um for all intents and purposes like I, it's you just you just didn't have it and and sometimes some nights you don't um it was uh it was a frustrating day for for for, for Cooper Webb. And uh honestly, like as much as I like he he clearly like, even in the, the press conference, he mentioned that uh the like the finger guns or like the little like uh like Okuda Matumbo finger wave is like uh ah uh, uh, and uh yeah, I think that was a little bit of head games. I'm trying to send a message to uh to the young kid that like you might be fast, you might be great, but you gotta beat me first. And uh, yeah, I think that, that's just like, that's a little bit of his bravado coming out. But uh, yeah, like you said, he wasn't able to back it up in the main event. And that's going to leave a rider uh, feeling mighty frustrated when, um, yeah, when you're, you're battling a guy like Eli Tomac, who you don't like giving up points to uh, in bunches or three at a time. Uh, he's has to share the red plate now. And uh, yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's at all happy about it. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm, just, I'm just watching this you know, as we're sitting here right now. And um, I like, once again, Webb did not come out of the uh, gate firing. Um, I think it was two minutes in 
and Eli tried passing him uh, through the whoops with the slingshot move. Webb kind of gave him over, uh, kind of swerved over him on the triple to take the inside line. Eli already predicted it, went wide, pivoted on the outside, and then went triple, triple past Webb, and then immediately dropped three seconds on him. Um, obviously, Webb got in the second. Uh, eventually, once Chase went down, made some moves around Barsha and Rocks and whatnot, and then Coop put in his charge, and you know, and started kind of catching uh, Eli little by little. But uh, he had mentioned in interviews prior to this, uh, prior to this weekend and a couple weekends before that he needs to pull the trigger sooner in that main event and can't get Eli to get, let get Eli get away because uh, the new Eli is no longer Elito Mac. He is uh, he's 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 tough. He's strong. He's mentally strong. You're not going to get in the fold. He's sure the fuck not going to tuck a front end like Chase has done the last uh, 18 rounds. Um, so it was a it was a, it was a, a good ride by Webb, and I could it was, it's I love seeing him all angry because it'll be interesting how he treats these triple crowns with the shorter main events and knowing he's got to come out of the gate fast and hard because these first two laps, if you get two or three seconds dropped on you, you don't have the time to make it up like Cooper's been doing in these last few rounds. For sure. Um, one of the things that that is important to look at is that Cooper Webb in the past, you know, he can play these head games with a Ken Roxon or now with Chase Sexton, but Eli Tomac is not, he's not going to be phased by these head games that, that Webb plays and Webb's not faster than him. So he's going to have to win it with just flat out good riding and hoping that, you know, Eli somewhat makes mistakes or has some off nights because right now Eli has six wins. Webb only has two. They might be tied in points, but the better rider right now has been Tomac. Just he needs to avoid those, you know, six, seven, eighth place finishes. And I think that he'll be standing with the number one plate at the end of the year. Um, that is unless Chase Sexton somehow learns how to keep his bike on two wheels, which I think I've all but given up hope on that. Don't quit. Um, Don't give up. We got to have something to argue about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that we'll both we'll all agree the two on on the next guy, um, Justin Barsha. Barsha banged out a podium. Barsha continues to smash the points button instead of the other riders. Bam Bam has continuously been really, really good. And before I throw this over to you, Denny, I have a little theory that I want you to touch on. And um, I mentioned it in our text thread, I think the other day was, you know, last year when the new bike came out for the KTM guys, the, the, all the riders said how amazing it was and how much it was improved over the old bike that was already a championship winning bike. And then they went to the races and it, they had some serious issues, primarily in the whoops. But I'm wondering if they, now that they figured out those issues and got it better, if all the things that they really liked about the bike when they first got on it are starting to really help these guys. Because if you look across the board over there, all the guys are doing better. And obviously Barsha was on the old bike still last year, but he might be benefiting from getting on the new bike now that it's it's better because AP has been better, Webb's been better and Barsha. So um, what do you think on the Barsha thing and my theory on the bike? Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, they obviously have a year ahead of, of Justin on, on it and, and development. And uh, if he had any similar issues that Aaron had or, or Marv had or Coop had last year, that they have a few things for Justin to try and, and see if it works. And um, he looks very comfortable in motorcycle. I think we can all agree on that. Um, it, uh, I, but also I've heard on the other, other end of things that Roger doesn't always isn't always real good at sharing what's going on at the orgs team with the, with the red and white team. So I don't know those rumors are always necessarily true, but it's some of the grumblings I've heard in the past, but Justin's looking fantastic right now. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, was it at Indy? Indy was ready one. Yeah. Indy, he, the way he rode that bike, I mean, he was balls to the wall and that was a gnarly, gnarly track. And he was letting the bike work underneath him much like a 2-2 stroker, you know, 2-4 stroke, unlike a 450. I mean, he made the bike look light. And obviously, Justin's not a really big, tall, strong guy, but he's obviously very, very fit. 
his interviews have been fantastic afterwards. He's having fun. He's almost like making sure to let everybody know that he's doing well because, you know, he's had obviously some, some skeptics in the past, but I didn't think he was going to have this great year and he is kicking ass. And uh, I, I look forward to each week, him giving hundred percent. And I mean, there's five, six guys right now that can run up front. And obviously he's one of them who can come to the pack and wear guys out and then go in an interview and look like he just rode got out of the shower in five minutes. He was clean. You know I mean? He's, he's pumped. He's competent. And uh, he's looking good in those bun tight uh, Troy Lee uh, design pants. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's been pretty neat to see. Um, I thought he would maybe take a step backwards this year, but he, he, if you look at the end of the year, season after season, he's a top five guy, um, but he's doing it a little bit with more flash this year. And I think he's, he has more speed than he's had. So it's really, really cool to see. Obviously he's riding for a contract. And I think if this year didn't go so well, we might see Barsha leave the sport. But now I think you definitely will see him get a year or two on his deal. He's having fun. We'll get to keep him around, which it just keeps everything exciting. I'm sure his competitors aren't all that stoked because they have to worry about him running into the side of him all the time. But because he's not going to ever he's never going to give you um, a lack of effort and he's not going to let you leave the door open in front of him at any any point in his in his races. So um, it's pretty crazy if you think back at one point. Remember, he was a privateer at Monster Cup. and was going to be obvious yeah, oh, yeah. and he's had a second half of his our, career yeah. that has been impressive very you have something else Danny, on that well just bring back you were talking about um if he hadn't had such a great years he's having that that we would probably expect him to go somewhere else next year and uh, we i just heard a rumor that um from lewis phillips that uh, i guess prado was was possibly heading here to the united states and a month ago so they were 90 percent certain he was coming and now all of a sudden bars is having a fantastic month prado's leading the points in the mxgp series and um, I think they've kind of decided, well, we seem to have things working quite well. Why, why disrupt the boat, you know? So, um, yeah, good point on the Barsha deal that reminded me of that. So that's, I just want to, I just want to add on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then also, I guess, kind of standing out over the, over the weekend was privateers launched warships from the Island whole shots stolen from the factory boys, but not the attention. Um, you know, we, we get all the storylines that they push about jet and Deegan and, you know, that first heat race started and Hunter Yoder launches out to an amazing start and they're, they're immediately pushing the, the Carson Mumford storyline for PC Cowie. And I'm sitting here just banging my head against the wall because this might be the only opportunity in maybe in his career, but on the, on the year for the Partzilla PRMX team to get a guy at the front of the field. And not only did he whole shot, it's not like he whole shot and then just fell right back in the pack. He literally led the race for a couple laps. Like, they had plenty of time to talk about him. They mentioned his name one time and they never mentioned the team. They don't know who it is. And they don't know. It was, it was very apparent that they were, they had knew nothing about him and it was very, very frustrating for me. Um, and if they had known, if the, the Feld guys were on their, on their game, they would know that my five-year-old thinks Hunter Yoder is the man because of this show called Blippy that he's on. That's like, a, like you said, 55 million people watched it or something, Brad, which yep. is, ridiculous like he's a household name if you haven't seen it, it's a kid's show where he teaches blippy to ride a dirt bike and it's it's unreal like and he backed it up again in the main event which was was awesome and then also you got kevin moran's he's been getting great starts but he nailed both the heat race start and the main event start um his sponsor tank masters actually has a thousand dollar bonus for a heat race start and a five thousand dollar bonus for a main event start so That's that was incredible. that was really awesome, awesome for him and good that job is. for him to put you know those programs together and again that's that's an opportunity for like that's a really cool story that that sponsor is helping this privateer do this and 
like that's a story that I think people would get into. Like, hey, he's got a 5K bonus for this. Heck yeah, I would go all out into the first turn too. Um, unfortunately, he obviously he overjumped and and went down. But the, maybe the coolest part was he didn't just hole shot, but Sexton went by him. And he, he went right back by Sexton for a minute. It's like, I would probably just pull off and go straight up to the stands and chug a beer, to be honest. If, but he was like, no, I'm going to race while I'm up here. If um, I'm Kevin Moran's, I'm, I'm like scouring the, pho- the photography den for anyone who might have even the closest resemblance to a half decent sequence of photos of him passing uh, Chase Sexton. And I'm getting those uh, printed in full, beautiful, stunning HD um, and having those plaster across my living room wall um, full time uh, with like pot lights shining down on it um, (laughs) and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So I did want to give uh, give Denny's buddy Carmichael a little bit of a little bit of credit because I kind of blew him out on Twitter about the whole deal. Um, And then um, Hunter actually came on and replied and Ricky said, go watch the, whatever the SMX show that they do after the races. And Ricky tried to make a little bit of amends for it and can give Hunter some love. So um, at least he knows who he is Hunter Yoder at one point was like just as highly touted as uh, Carson Mumford. Like they were both on that Honda uh, 150 super mini program with like super trick bikes. And they were sort of casualties of the the Geico team coming apart. Yeah, I was uh, actually sponsoring Hunter when he got that Geico deal, and I've been very close to the family since uh, he was about seven years old. So, of course, uh, there was three teams actually going going after him at the same time. He completely swept the sixty five classes at Loretta's, and um, it's pretty crazy that him and it was him and Mumford up front because they both were kind of part of that Geico team falling apart and both really trying to rebuild their careers at the same time in the same race. And um, Yoder's had a really really good season as a whole he's been riding really really well i watched him in san diego and i was like this is a completely different rider from last year that was he was borderline not making main events um he definitely definitely tried really hard at the beginning of the race to stay up front and probably mentally blew himself up a little bit and faded because i do know he's in really really good shape um but he fell back to 14th but he's showing speed and he's had a top 10 finish now and also you have to give props to that that team and program for giving him a bike that can get up front like that and um obviously his results are pretty good so he's on a competitive equipment and i mean that team is also built up from absolutely nothing um it was a hodgepodge of bikes not even on the same brand at one point yeah when they first started and it's a legit team and program now so props to partzilla prmx as well absolutely uh denny do you have anything that no again it's just um I love the fact that Checkers knows all these history of these guys and, and has a history with them because it does. It takes somebody who's uh, paid attention to the careers and Hunter and obviously Moran's with their starts. Uh, Hunter Yoder, I mean, uh, was or that's badass. And I actually was looking down at I was getting the lap time ready for our MXD. I had to kind of change things around. And I didn't really catch it that Moran's had whole shot. It already had crashed. I just knew the phone started, my phone started blowing up with Jeggers all excited about it and uh, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, hats off to him. I know that a lot of people were talking about Yoder before the season even started when we were doing some of our draft games and seeing who would be maybe was a little lower ranked. It should have been higher ranked. And then he went out and kicked ass. So good for all those guys. And then one last thing before we head into your, this next segment, Brad, I, the race I was watching for last, you know, this last weekend just wrapped up and, you had talked about uh, 
Cooper Webb's look on his face. I, I don't think I quite caught that either. Uh, Eli obviously gets off to give him a hug. He's smiling. He takes his helmet off. And the camera goes to Cooper, and he's laying on his crossbar. Uh, he's got his helmet off. And I don't – he was if anyone probably would have said anything to him, he might have just stabbed him right in the neck right there. I, I don't think I've ever – exactly. I mean, he was just straight pissed off. So uh, I had his triple crown. I'm really excited to see how that goes. And, and, and reiterating what I just saw and his anger and how frustrated he was, like, wow, I don't think I quite caught, caught that on Saturday night. So – Anyways, let's move on. Absolutely. Last thing I'll say before we move on from our first segment of the of the show, 30, 35 minutes into this, we are absolutely brutal at keeping it to uh, a strict uh, timeline. Um, Julian from PRMX, talk about a team manager who does write about uh, by his his guys. Like that guy, uh, he hasn't always had the the best support, and uh, I don't know if he was like like the 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 best business savvy. Like he literally has learned so much on the fly, and um, certain things that as a privateer team you're you're having to uh, make certain sacrifices and go with certain brands that uh, like maybe you would have had a a, a different preference. Um, but he 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 goes after the the big the heaviest of hitters in the industry uh and also when when it comes down to not being able to secure certain things he allows guys to go out and get their own stuff um that doesn't clash with a, a sponsor or something like that if you notice uh, a lot of guys in the prmx team some of them wear fox boots some of them don't um but boots is something that's so important to a, a rider feeling that connectivity to the bike he allows those guys to go get what they need. He also makes sure they have really, really uh, solid helmets. Those Arai helmets are unreal. Um, so for for a lot of reasons, uh, Julian uh, does really, really well by his, uh, his his all of his athletes, including Justin Hill, uh, from a couple and, of years from last like, year. And repeatedly, I think we all can say, agree. <clears throat> it's teams like that, that that help make the sport what it is and gives riders yes. a a chance and get some other races. So yeah, hats off to that whole entire program. Well done. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Next um, up brought to you by BigMXRadio.com. If you're not already subscribed to BigMX radio row up, uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify. You can find us straight off the website. Uh, and if you like more of my content, maybe you think that I might be able to put some written words together. You can check out uh, Burb Moto, and uh, I'm on there minimum two, three times a week. They assign me the stuff uh, almost daily. Uh, so uh, I'm really pumped to be full time with those guys. They sent, they made me an email and the whole thing. So big uh, Brad at, at BurbMoto.com. If you want to tell me that my writing sucks. Um, but, uh, we're going straight into the preview for the Glendale Supercross. Some people call it Phoenix. Hell, you can call it the AZSX if that makes you feel good, but either way, it's going to be a triple crown, which means awesome. You're going to have the fastest guys of the, of that sign up. They're all going to be in every single race all, all night long, which includes the Supercross futures. Uh, you've got, um, Daxton Bennett seeing if he can make it three for three. You've got, uh, um, Casey Cochran that's going to try and upset the apple cart and, and, and get in there. You also have uh, Preston Baseflug, who he himself went from sixth to third in the, the two rounds he's had so far. The guy is extremely fast, extremely driven. And oh, by the way, this happens to be a, a home race for Julian Bomir, otherwise known as Juju. Uh, that guy is absolutely lights out speed. Uh, he, he's from Lake Havasu, which is a uh, spitting distance from uh, this dome stadium. 
that is absolutely beautiful. It's always a fast track. It's long rhythm lanes. They usually incorporate some sort of uh, sand section. And one of the things that I love about it, it's the biggest floor we use, and it's a concrete floor because the football stadium actually rolls out on a conveyor belt so that they can grow natural grass. Why that's important is because the, the Dirtworks crew they have all the like they, they get to work off of a concrete floor and all of the dirt gets pushed into the middle and they build it out from there, which always allows for a nice long straightaway. Um, no across the, the, the track straightaway or uh, rate like um, start start straights. We've never seen that at Phoenix. We usually always see a start uh, a start gate that starts uh, around the 10 yard mark and actually usually extends all the way back to the final uh, final row. Uh, what you'll probably see on this particular track map, I haven't seen it, but usually I have a triple at the end of that. Um, it's always great viewing. It's a pretty new stadium and uh, you, as, you guys will, and I, as I know, uh, the pit situation in Arizona is pretty much second to none. Uh, it's going to be nice. It's going to be beautiful outside. It's the, it's the desert. So uh, yeah, put on some sunblock and get ready to catch a tan off these very shiny motorcycles. Checks, take it away. Yeah, Phoenix is one of my favorite races. And I mean, I always liked it even when it was downtown. Um, it was a cool stadium there. Yeah. But the pit situation was was pretty tight there to say the least. So the, um, now with the new, the new stadium, um, the fan fest is huge. They usually have a ton of extra activities going on right across the way is the Westgate thing. If you haven't been to the Phoenix race, it is, it is definitely one of the top three that I've ever been to. And I've been to a majority of the races. Um, it's a, it's a great one to go to for sure. The track and the racing is always usually pretty good too. It's, it's a dome stadium. It's a big floor. Um, and so there's long lanes, which usually allow guys to actually you know, come out of the corner, get up beside someone and pass them before they get to the next corner so that it's not just follow the leader type stuff. Um, it's knowing the dirt stays together really well there, obviously, because it can pack in hard. So they usually they have some big, long whoops. I'm a little bit scared about how that's going to happen this weekend because of it being a futures race. I would be really, really bummed to not get some big, gnarly Phoenix whoops because it's a futures race. Not going to get them. Um, and they, they have a unique uh, split lane that we haven't seen one, especially like that. It's a split down a rhythm um, in a couple of years that we haven't seen them that they always look cool, especially if they can get guys going into different rhythms um, and you get, you know, one side going low and one side going high and jumping at different spots. But oftentimes those things end up being pretty one lined and it's actually just a narrower racetrack. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the long, fast start. Holy crap. I would not want to be those guys. They're going fourth gear into the first turn. And I think it was Baggett one year, just absolutely yard sailed himself. But maybe I'm just getting old. Um, I'm sure we'll hear about it all night long on TV about how crazy fast and long the start is. The longest and fastest one in the sport of Supercross all year long. Oh, my gosh. They're going like Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's Supercross. Okay, sorry. Got a little hyped up there. I'm no getting a little kidding. excited for Glendale. Um, let's take a look at last year's results. Well, it was a triple crown last year. And guess who's the best guy at triple crowns? Eli Flippin Tomac. And he went 1-1-3 last year. Um, Mookie was second, actually. He's not there. Sexton, you're going to be really shocked, but he went 11-3-1. It, it's just mind-blowing. Shocker that he, did, he wasn't able to be consistent. Jason Anderson, who's always awesome on the slick soil, um, was fourth with a 2.12.2, and Kenneth Roxon um, actually had a decent race last year before he exited the series with four, six, seven moto scores at a triple crown. And you have to talk about Roxon because he was relevant at the A2 triple crown. Um, George Brad, Anderson, let's let's rock into some more segments, and then we can get more into this Glendale stuff. 
All right. Well, did did Denny want to say something there for a second? Oh, I was just agreeing with you guys. I, I was oh. just going to ask a question, really question it. If, if we do, we ever think that we, that they might count all three crowns or motos or races in one night, or will it always be just the overall? Probably just overall. I just. I think it'll always just be the overall. And honestly, like that's the only thing that I don't love about the uh the triple crowns. Like the if if you just want to take like a, a, the bite-size entertainment that is a triple crown, it's awesome. But like you have like it it's it's a whole bunch of racing that adds up to the equivalent of one main event. Like you could have a guy who goes uh one five one and like has this awesome night but he ends up second because someone else went two 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 um you know what i mean like it's just sort of like uh a lot of times it, it doesn't always come down to who did the best or i guess like who was the fastest this is about consistency um for what the, the overall result is but bottom line is there, there's always good racing so uh i doubt they're ever going to award 75 points or i guess it would be 77 points 81 there's 81 now 81 i hate no, that 78 78 78 78 i i absolutely hate that <laughs> um but regardless i think that would be too much but am i mistaken or are they actually doing that for the final round of the smx playoff series these points question, for the I smx uh series per round go they double each time um but i don't think it's actually like per the triple crown main events and honestly, okay. it's been a while since I've looked at that format and the schedule. I know when we talked about Triple Crown last time, I told you guys I have the fix. It's a brilliant idea is, is you 25 points for first, not actual championship points, just event scoring points for the first main and the second main. And then you double the points for the third one. And then you get your overall and you still get points off the overall. It makes the third main event count um, instead of having a guy just cruise around and get second place because he already has a 1-1 going into it. Yeah. Win the overall. But that's not here or there because they're not going to change the starts. In fact, they're going to freaking greats for outdoors now too. Um, I hate that too. So think the start, yeah, take the start hooks away. Those and they're not going to fix the triple crown format. So moving on, <laughs> take the starting hooks away. And anyone who like, I, I, I'm not sponsored by any companies that make them. So I can, I can make this statement uh, without sounding biased is like in college, they let you use, do they not let you use aluminum bats college baseball? Uh, they they do they just they just, uh, shrunk in the barrel because okay. they were, we were they were they were killing and I know this because we have the College World Series in Omaha Nebraska and that's the only time I pay pay attention to it and the Huskers actually were pretty good a couple of seasons ago um, but yes they 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 made the barrel smaller so they weren't coming off the bat so quickly and nearly killing pitchers so right uh, I, understand, I understand your point I understand your point entirely yeah they I never had a greats I never had a, really even I don't think we even had uh, um, the, the the start device didn't come out till 01 device. uh when yeah. yamaha yeah. had like a really archaic version of it what i'm trying to say is is that like at the amateur level like uh, you can make certain changes that allow for some sort of advantage that's why like that's why there's different rules in the pros that's why in college football you need to have one foot in bounds but get to the pros now you gotta get two feet in bounds uh, and like, yeah, you might be able to get good starts with a, with a whole shot device in the amateurs. Well, we're taking them off for the, uh, um, for the pros. And honestly, I, I think that that would, uh, increase safety at the first corner instead of everyone just like setting it and forgetting it. 
um and add some skill to it like i i i think that there was something to be said about a guy who's just a good starter and could start on any type of surface whether they were at broom tayoga uh millville unadilla or glen helen i think there was there that was sort of like one of those little spicy things that made motocross so great um and uh taking those things away sucks yeah i mean if you look at it guys have gotten so good at coming off the great and it's so consistent that we've seen a lot of these halfway down the start straight collisions that are just absolutely gnarly because the track's funneling and nobody really has an edge or a wheel yet and it's they're not shutting off (laughs) but you know if you have to go up over a a gate and without a start hook it creates a bigger skill gap which is going to create separation before they're even three or four feet out of the gate let alone the slower speeds down into the first turn um i think it's a no-brainer for for safety but i also think that they should be doing at least two row starts as well to open up the floor (laughs) space and that's not happening either i just feel like we're going in the wrong direction by making it easier like the starts are so important. It's such a specialized skill. Um, even if you let them keep the start hooks, I prefer them at least going up and over a gate so that it creates a little more of that separation instead of launching off of a grate. But yeah, I'm no, I totally gray, agree. Fat and slow. So, all right, time for the next segment sponsored by MXD360.com dash for cash. If you're not already playing MXD360.com, get real. Because you can sign up today. You probably still have enough time to beat me in points, even though there's only seven rounds to go. Or yeah, seven, uh, seven rounds? six, six rounds to go. Regardless, um, yeah, you're you can probably still beat me because I'm absolutely brutal at the game. It's a salary-based league. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. But the the coolest thing about it is that if you sign up, fit you're you're signing up for an awesome experience to play a cool game, but you're also signing up because you want to win the king's gear. You want to win Jeremy McGrath signed gear. Uh, it's going to be, I'm sure it's some Troy Lee stuff. Uh, you're not going to wear it. You're going to mount it up on the wall. Uh, your wife's going to bug you about taking it down, but you love it so much because the, the king himself signed his name. He scribbled all over that gear and it's going to be yours. If you sign up today, go do that. Check it out. All right. Or she might, or she might ask you to wear it. <laughs> or she might ask you, or you could have her wear it to bed. <laughs> and that's not weird. That's not weird at all. <laughs> yeah. And there's a free MXGP game as well going on right now. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm two rounds Plenty behind on that, but I think I'm going to enter anyway. Any uh, can't be any worse than I currently do at Supercross. <laughs> All right, lobbying Great. this first question to the best ever at Arena Crash Dash for fucking cash, and that is none other than Denny Stevenson. Which 250 rider benefits the most from the Triple Crown format? The curse of uh, the Lawrence, the Lawrence's curse. Styles uh, uh, won a race the last time we did this. Uh, actually, the you guy who won does. the race didn't even win one. Or you have uh, Kitchen with the overall at eight two. Who's who? Who does this format benefit the most? Wiley, know I'm a styles, so um, I'm gonna have to go. Robertson, what a great race! I, I homosexual about alter ego. Yeah, what a crazy main event for him. I, I caught that the other night. Um, going down with the whole shot out front running. I mean, he was well into about halfway, I think, or five minutes in at least, and then got sideways in the whoops. Uh, I'm not quite sure even a couple of times I watched if maybe Cam got in the back of him and kind of helped project his his bike off the, uh, off everything. But um, otherwise these guys rode really well. A a jet, I think can maybe put away the curse. He's been riding away well, but an irony was his last time that his two best rivals had pissed it away. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see if Cameron and, and RJ can put it together a little bit better, get a, get a start on, on Jet, 
and keep uh, and jet can keep it off the ground. Otherwise, it's going to be boring three main events, which I doubt because we've had some great racing all year long. And uh, I'd like to see, uh, like I said, I'd like to see Jet get beat by one of those guys because I don't want him to have more overall Supercross main events this year than Hunter because I think that was another bet that Checkers and I had. <laughs> and I want Hunter to be. Uh, I, I want the big bro to take down a little bro this season. Instead of one point five and one, I want it to be one one and one point five. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, never made a dash for cash, but uh, checkers. Uh, which of the four fifty riders benefits from the triple crown triple crown format the most? And I'll also throw a curveball at you. Who does it hurt? Um, I think that history shows that it has to benefit Tomac a lot. And we saw Roxon was really relevant at A two in the triple crown, and he's typically been pretty good at him. But the winner of A2 is Chase Sexton. He's always fast early in the races. His problems typically come out late in the races. Typically, I would say it benefits Sexton the most, except Tomac's so good and it's Glendale. So I don't think he stands a chance at beating Eli. Um, who does it hurt? Well, I guess that leaves Cooper Webb, which I don't think it really hurts him um, all that much. So Dylan Frandis isn't out there, so his terrible starts aren't relevant. So off the top of my head, I guess it hurts privateers because they don't get the TV time that they normally would get. That's who they hurt. Fair enough. Speaking uh, of which, Grant in the in the uh, and th- thanks for everybody uh, commenting in the chat right now. Uh, Grant says that it hurts um, hurts Webb and benefits uh, Sexton, but he does need to break out the uh, dictionary uh, or at least go back to school uh, as benefits has two e's in it, my friend. Um, all right, switching, <laughs> switching things back to Debo. Uh, Christian Craig got on TV, uh, ripping in qualifying and then winning the heat race. Which, uh, honestly, he was uh, he's a bit hot under the collar at the very end of it because uh, AP was coming. Um, he's obviously improved. Uh, we have six rounds to, uh, left to go. How many top fives will he have in those rounds? Well, I, I don't think he's going to get to eight, which was my initial prediction at the first of the year. Uh, and what a, what a great time to see Christian get it. I've, I've been saying repeatedly that if he can get out front with the lead pack, he can run with that pace, I believe. He just hasn't seen it all year. Uh, I think he was in obviously a, a much easier heat race than the second one. Well, that was ridiculous. Yeah, I, and we saw in both classes. It's second heat race how, was like a main. It's crazy how one, three, five, seven, eight going to second heat. And, and that seemed like in both classes, that was the top five ended up in that, you know, the second heat of both of them, which was wild. So, um, but it was cool to see Craig get a heat race win. We haven't seen him on TV much this year. And then what's he go out and do when he starts the first lap of the main event in 22nd, but he lays down some quick laps. I think he gets up to eighth or ninth there at the end, nice. which was good to see him, but he never got to take advantage of getting that good pick on the gate. You know, we had probably second fastest heat and then somehow shit all went to hell. So, um, did you get, I think, well, frick, I don't even know. I, I've been all over the place, all over the map, just trying to say, go Christian, get some good finishes. And I don't think there's, there's a top five in him this year with six rounds. I've already thrown the towel now. It's good to see him around every race. He, is, he hasn't missed a round yet. He's learning. I think he's getting better on that bike. I believe he has a two-year deal with Huskies, so he should be back with them next year. Yep. Uh, and hopefully he's, hopefully he's learned a lot, stays healthy out this year, and gets, keeps getting better and stronger. But uh, he seems to be off the pace still a little bit. But – 17 rounds if he gets them all uh, all done and he gets rookie of the year uh, honors <laughs> he'll get a top five in either salt lake or denver i predict yeah but the last one yeah, 
could be, but I don't know. Who knows at this point? I, I just wanted five top eights. I think he's very close to that. And uh, my goals have changed and just seeing him finish all 17 rounds and, uh, and having him and his, uh, his good buddy, Hayden Deegan's relationship grow. Yeah, I need I need Ferrandis to come back and get me a top ten, and I also need Dean Wilson to get me a top ten. But that's just selfish because I want to stay alive in Supercross Survivor. Uh, for those watching who's not already playing Supercross Survivor, hit up checks, find out all about it, and play it next year so I can take your money. Checkers Enzo Lopes uh, was good again in Salt Lake or in uh, in Seattle. Do you think a factory ride is going to take a factory team is going to take a look at him for uh, a year coming up? I could easily see him sliding over at star. Well, I think that uh, that club would be pretty upset, honestly, to lose him to star. I think that just uh, they'd strain the Yamaha relationship, but they have to at least be looking because he is much improved and he's doing well and he's showing they can consistently do it. The issue comes in is he's not riding outdoors. He hasn't been riding outdoors and there's very few teams that are going to pick him up and hire him to not ride outdoors or not perform outdoors. So I could see star picking him up as a supercross only guy and keeping, you know, they have young Gilliam Ferris or whatever that they they've invested in a little bit as an outdoor only guy. And that's kind of what they have going on with Jordan Smith, I believe, but I think he probably stays right where he's at as long as they can afford to keep him, you know, his price is definitely gone up with the performance that he's gotten but also it gives him the opportunity to go make a bunch of money at world supercross or i guess he can make tons of money in brazil still as we know those countries really like their athletes when they're good oh, yeah. um, and has a huge following and he can go down there and just hang out and it'd be pretty crazy to be a really well-paid 250 supercross guy not on a factory team and racing just in like trying like eight nine races a year it'd be pretty nuts yeah chasing around stuff. brazilian girls forget about it <laughs> So, yes, I think that they're probably looking at him, but he needs to ride outdoors if he really wants one. And I do think he needs to go after one of those programs and teams to give himself the best shot at, you know, trying to become a championship guy. Like, it's really cool what he's doing now, but if you want to go the next level up, I think he needs a legit full-on factory program. And that's no slight to the program he's on. Just there's there's more resources out there. Yeah, totally agree. Debo, you've been pretty harsh on Maximus Voland uh, and his lack of results thus far in his uh, young career. Uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries and, uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, not delivered on the billing of what you'd expect from a KTM Factory 250 rider. Uh, we've certainly seen championships from them in the past. Has he done enough already, uh, or does he need to do more in order to keep his ride? And if he hasn't, if he does not end up doing enough to keep that ride, who do you replace him with? Um, yeah, I've obviously, I've been more just harsh on any factory guy who's not going to make a main event. And, uh, you know, Max actually's had some struggles, but he's also, I know his dad very well or not very well. I mean, I used to race with his dad and it was uncle. I know how hard they put into it. I know that talent had a different path for Max. I think we all do that. He was headed to the GPs or at least to, to Europe to ride the MX series. And then was offered an incredible ride to Roger because Roger saw something he probably saw in Ryan Dungey and, as we've heard through the grapevine of, uh, of kind of when things aren't going well for you on the KTM uh, brand, you're going to catch some shit. And obviously Cooper has heard we've, that they were not real happy with him last year. Uh, Roger and Ian are very demanding, which is understandable. I know Mitch is as well. Um, so he might've already ran his, Max may have already ran his time there at KTM and, it, and there's nothing wrong with that new, uh, new scenery. I'm a firm believer of, I, I still can't believe seeing Sorrell as a Cowie and, and not because of Cowie. I think maybe sometimes it's just nice to get on a different bike 
for the new environment. Again, as we saw Tomac and, uh, and even Cooper Webb, even uh, Pachiyama. So I, I think Max is getting better. I think he's going to do better outdoors. I think he's going to be a consistent four to seven guy each week, as we've seen. He's getting better and smarter. I think he's maybe a little bit better outdoor rider. But I think KTM's going to put their flag in, in, in Tom Viale, uh, Viale right now. And um, I think we heard a rumor somewhere this week that uh, who was looking to go that way? I'm kind of surprised when I heard that. Kitchen. And, uh, kitchen is kitchen. Levi Kitchen. Yeah, I mean, it's all up to Roger, man, and what he sees in them. Um, but I don't know if Kitchen, that's someplace he should go or, or not, But because it's it's a do or die. When you go pumpkin orange and you got Roger Dukash in your corner, the man, you, you're not, you don't have the nickname the man for nothing. Um, and if he, but and when he's got enough power to get the whoops taken down, he's got enough power to send you home. So um, I think Vial will stay there. I think Max will go somewhere else. And the Kitchen rumor is interesting. I, I really don't have another guess because the Chitty class is such a crazy show and who's going to go there. I mean, um, Robertson going to star, I wasn't predicting Smith to go into star. I wasn't predicting. So I love silly season in March and we're already getting some of that taste already. Oh yeah. yeah I think that's a huge win for, um, for KTM if they're able to get grab kitchen, because it does look like he's got a bright future ahead of him and can potentially become a contender. And that 250 program over there in the U S has really, really struggled to put up any kind of results, but that's a very, very bold move for Levi Kitchen to leave the dominant team in the 250 class over the past half a decade to go over to KTM. That's that's super unproven. Yes. Yeah. No. Um. The the last I don't know ten years. Uh, maybe I give this about at least six or seven years. Uh, ever since Marvin moved off of that bike, uh, it's been a rotating cast of guys who haven't quite delivered for KTM. Uh, whether it be the TLD. Gas, gas, KTM, whichever. Um, yeah, they haven't been able to get it done. Even that one year with Justin Hill, uh, that is a very forgettable year. So, uh, checkers, when it comes to uh, the Hill brothers, Dino, Savachi, Nichols, Justin Cooper, uh, they sit 10th through 5th, uh, 15th in points right now. Should factory teams be looking at any of these guys to uh, to fill in full-time? Um, give me your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it, if you look at it, it, it means that you have to replace somebody unless, you know, somebody's adding an extra motorcycle yeah. and the only one behind any of them is Nichols is getting beat by most of them and really hasn't had a fantastic year. So I would think that Nichols's bike is, is definitely potentially available for someone, but I think you bring up Hunter and that bike's already filled. Um, I think he does do that too. I think that's hundred percent where they go and Shimoda goes to Honda. Yeah, it makes it makes sense to me because I think Hunter's ready, and I think we all agree Hunter's ready. Uh, if he wasn't so dominant this year, I think it looks completely different. But it makes complete sense for them if they can go. It's a lot easier to find a high level two hundred and fifty guy that can win and hire them away than it is to hire a four hundred and fifty guy that can go and win. And when you when you have one sitting in your truck that maybe not win, but he can battle in the top five. I think um, Hunter can. I don't know whether he will, but he can. I mean, he's definitely not going to have the 450 career that Forkner is going to have coming up. But <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for that one. I was, I was going to bring um, a Forkner here, but I didn't. I don't have one. <laughs> and I mean, you have like you know AP Craig AC sitting seven to nine. None of those guys are going to come in and beat them, except maybe Justin Cooper. Um, and so if I'm Cooper, I'm trying to push Star to open up another 450 spot for me, and trying to stay there because I think he's worth a hire. But I don't know you know, who's, whose spot is he going to take you? Who, who are you going to give up? Um, a lot of guys are locked in and, you know, Cowie already has AC locked in. Craig's already locked in over at Husky. 
you know, you're not going to replace Barsha with Justin Cooper, I wouldn't think. Um, not not right now, because he's not going to come in and get the results that Barsha is going to get right away. That would have to be a long-term play. So it's almost like you need an extra bike somewhere. And the other guys, I think they need to start looking at support teams or building their own programs. Yeah, I, I think that if if I could see anybody uh, adding a bike, I could see uh, Gas Gas adding a bike. And if it's if it's between those guys, honestly, I would probably go with either Justin Cooper or Nichols. Um, they're still young. They're still fast. They've won 250 championships in recent history. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that second bike becomes uh, Aaron Plessinger over on that team, uh, making it two two at Husky, two at uh, KTM, and uh, and two at. Um, Who are your two at KTM? Do you think Webb's Webb's not staying? You don't think Webb stays there? I don't think Webb stays there. Is no. is Moosecan done done? Well, you know, and I'm just going off with some of the stuff I've listened to, and two very intelligent riders, and. In, uh, that were on a, a different broadcast and, and, and uh, Millsaps and Andrew Short and the way they kind of heard things rumblings going over there. And, yep. um, and it was, I, you know, I listen to everything I can because I love, I love when people are talking about where are riders going, like what are teams thinking? Cause I think that is such a fun part of any sport is uh, you know, cause they're building a, a, a they're looking to see building a brand with a new rider. And, and the attitude I heard about that was being thrown at Webb and Webb being unhappy there and him coming out of the, out of nowhere this this spring or this this winter and, and the last uh, this Supercross season is rad. And, but do you think KTM has any chance of opening up? Uh, you know, obviously uh, Marv's been gone all year. I can't see Marv coming back from a broken uh, scaphoid and navicular in his wrist um, and coming being healthy for next season. I think he's kind of just disappeared and sadly Marv we might not see him again in on a factory Supercross bike and. Last two years, they've ran three, four videos of KTM, and if only only one's coming over is Sexton, and maybe AP's leaving, or if he's staying, is, does Husky or does KTM have a, a second or third rider? That's that's a that's a fun kind of way to look at things, and um, obviously that's just would be only a Supercross only. So I know maybe Colt Nichols goes that way. I don't know, just just spitballing. I don't see them adding a third rider for a Colt Nichols. I just I don't. Just it's, it the results aren't there. I mean, sure. I I hate to be harsh, but he hasn't earned a factory ride by by any shape or form he's been the worst factory guy race after race after race like that's well, we you have to be putting in yeah i mean you the thing is is you have to put in really really good results to get somebody to want to add an extra bike for you and sure. he definitely hasn't okay. done that i think cooper maybe did enough to get people excited enough to say okay we can work with this and build with this because he consistently was up in the mix and it was his first year um, and created some value for himself, but I don't see it. I don't see it anywhere else. I don't think, and I don't see KTM doing it, but I could be wrong. I think they've only run that third bike just simply because they feel like they owe it to Marv because he's been there forever and loyalty. And it's, sure. it's somewhat easy. I don't think that they want to run three bikes would be my, my guess and my assumption, unless, you know, if, if Nichols came back and started ripping off podiums, well then, yeah, they'll, somebody would open up an extra bike for him, but that's not yeah. about to happen. Um, I mean, we saw it with Roxon. Nobody opened an, up an extra bike for Roxon for crying out loud. And he's yeah. somebody that can get on the podium and win races and has championships and a huge following. So to think that they're going to take a guy that's got one top 10 on the year and make him a spot, that's not going to happen. And so, we, yeah, good. Set. Totally, yeah, totally agree. Uh, last one for this segment, Debo um, with the Supercross win. Eli is now tied for second with James Stewart for all time uh wins uh, who is your top five supercross racers of all time and why rapidly give me rapidly. 
Yeah, we'll cut, get this thing knocked out real quick here with these guys because uh, obviously there's no one. MC, I don't think 72 wins is ever going to be a match. People are always yeah. like, oh, it can happen. I'm like, you, you start trying to figure out the time frame it's going to take for someone to get to 72 wins like Jamery has and the domination he's had. And uh, obviously a big fan of Jeremy's and known him forever. And so he is obviously the king. Um, I don't know. There's such a tight group behind him between Eli Stewart, Carmichael, and Reed and, and Filippoto. They're all within uh, nine wins. So then he starts looking at championships. Um, RC's got what f- five Supercross titles to go with his 48 wins. So I'm going to have to put RC at number two. Uh, I- I'm an old school son of a bitch. Uh, I've already talked about my Mount Rushmore. I got Ricky Johnson up there. I know Ricky Johnson's got 28 wins, and I'm not even sure how many titles he's had. So I should have probably looked this up before we start this. But I'm a huge fan of Ricky Johnson. There was in a very demanding era of the 80s. Um, huge fan of his. His career was taken away from too soon with an incident at Gainesville, at Gainesville with, uh, with Danny Storbeck. And he's my third, which is, you know, debatable, let's be honest. Um, James Stewart revolutionized the way people rode a dirt bike. He might only have two Supercross wins, but he was one of the most exciting people I think I've ever watched ride a bike. I think 99.9% of the country or world of motocross fans would agree with that. So I'll slide in James Stewart, number four. And uh, at number five, I'm going to go down. I'm going to let Eli. Eli can get this third win, this, this third championship for, under his belt and get another, what, four or five wins? Or there's, what, six rounds left. He can get three more wins and put him at 53. That's phenomenal, man. So uh, if Eli can get this third win title with a couple more wins, I'll, I'll slip in uh, Eli Tomac at number five and uh, and regret I ever called him Eli Tomac. You know, I, I'd like to take a little responsibility for all these wins. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, yeah, you might be getting a, a residual check in the mail. I think it's pretty insane that that would potentially bump off. Um, I would think Chad Reed would have been fifth before the Eli thing. Yeah. And knowing RV. that Chad had to race two guys that are on the top five list and still was able to knock out 44 wins is pretty incredible. I don't disagree with you at all. Um, but that's that's pretty nuts to me that a rider that was that good or that three of them were that good all in the same generation have that many wins against each other. It's pretty crazy. And, and Filippoto, I mean, he came in and whooped ass. He's got, what, four titles as well. And um, Four titles. Ten, he averaged 10 wins per title. Yeah. So I, I'm with uh, Villapoto, big fan of his as well. I, you know, my RJ pick is more just, uh, he was my hero growing up. He was posters on my wall and, uh, you know, to call him a friend. And that's just someone I've always admired and, and dug his style. And so he's on there just because of who he is and what he, what he, what he set the stage in and the way he revolutionized the, the, the attitude and the, the, uh, the coolness factor that I think that has kind of paved the way for the nineties and, and McGrath and, and Fro and all of us. And uh, that's why I've always had RJ in my, my top five. He's just a bad motherfucker in my book. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, for all those who don't think that uh, Jeremy McGrath 72 wins is out of reach. Uh, keep in mind that you would have to average over seven wins per year winning almost half of the races every year for 10 years straight in order to tie uh, or come anywhere close to MC. So uh, yeah, he was, um, he's, he's the greatest uh, to ever do it uh, in, in a stadium um, period that I don't think any, I, I honestly don't think anyone has a real good uh, argument for that. Um, just on this, the, the sheer volume of wins and uh, also uh, a, a pure showman. Uh, the way he did it moving on to our next segment, which is brought to you by riversideraceway.net. These are the riversideraceway.net versus challenge questions. And this is where, uh, yeah, two guys enter. Uh, there are really no winners in all of this, but, uh, yeah, if you have any questions about 
Riverside Raceway. Uh, you can visit their website uh, and come to the AMA Iowa State Championship, uh, which is happening Easter weekend, where, uh, yeah, like, um, the, like it, it's, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I myself will be at World Mini, uh, not too heck of a lot farther away. Uh, but either way, we won't be in the same place at the same time, but we will most likely be disagreeing with each other. And that's what this segment is all about. Last week, I have to mail a, a gong or a belt to Debo uh, because that was an absolute shit kicking five to one checkers. Uh, hang your head in shame. You are now currently losing by three, 17 to 14 in the total series versus questions. Um since you won, Debo, I'll give you the floor first to gloat about your win and po- possibly rub salt in the wound for checks. Well, it's just the fact that Checkers writes the script. Uh, he's the one that makes up the matches. Uh, he's the one that allows himself to go first at times. And, I, and even when he doesn't go first, he will take – when he does go first, he'll take the rider he, he assumes I'm going to take. And unlike Checkers, I won't just side with him because I think uh, – because I agree with I, – because I, I, I just refuse to agree with him. So I'll just go – the other guy go hundred percent with him and, uh, and just let checkers be wrong, which he obviously this week up 17 to 14, he's constantly berating me on social media. It's, it's quite insulting. I'll tell you, it's very upsetting, but <laughs> he is, uh, he's getting his ass kicked right now. So let's dive into this thing when, uh, with round one, what do we got? Checkers, any, um, tears or rebuttal? <laughs> nope. It's fine. I'm just going to, you know, I got my butt kicked last week, but I'm still only down by three. So that just shows how terrible Denny normally is at this. We'll be just fine. And yeah, you're still behind. for the record, for the record, I try to make these as 50-50 as I possibly can yeah. and make them really difficult for, for us. And I think I did a really good job of it this week. And I'm literally looking at the list and I don't know when I wrote them, I still didn't know who I was picking and I still don't know. Um, I'm doing this all on the fly completely. And well, maybe I, I told you in, in our thread, I was going to start making it something like uh, Chase Sexton versus Cade Clayson or something like that. It's so that I can take Sexton and well, fuck, I'd probably still get that wrong because Chase would probably crash and get 20 seconds. But, um, <laughs> There's I was no like, guarantee. I can totally, no I can totally rig this game if I want to, but I definitely haven't been. No, and you always pick some good ones. There's always some good matchups, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like we've had this first one more than a more than a few times, but it's it's still a good one. Yes, certainly is. Uh, kicking things off since Checkers uh, did sort like he got he got his butt kicked the, the last one, so uh, we'll get let him lead off uh, and try and lick his wounds a little bit. Uh, Checkers, um, when it comes to, like the, for this weekend coming up, or I guess next weekend at uh, at AZ for the uh, the Glen, Glendale Supercross, Christian Craig versus AC, who gets uh, who gets more points? Who finishes ahead of who? Yeah, and like I said, this is a really uh, tough one because. AC has been a little bit better. He showed some speed the last couple of weeks. Last week actually made me really nervous because of him qualifying well. And I was like, oh man, is he going to, you know, try to be a front runner? And usually when he does that, that's when he crashes out where most of the year, it looks like he's been managing and staying out on the racetrack. Um, but his, in his big, his good starts are a huge benefit on a triple crown format. Um, but Christian Craig, he just won a heat race. He's finally, I think he's getting better and better and better. You know, coming from 22nd to 9th, yes, it was past a bunch of privateers, but that's a really, really good performance on a really demanding track. Um, and I'm going to go with the fact that it's supposed to be a long whoop section and it's going to be hard pack. And we all know Christian Craig has amazing throttle control. And I'm hoping that his starts won't be too bad and that he'll be able to edge out AC. But I think that this is a, a really good one. 
and I'm going to go Christian Craig. And what do you think, Daddy? Are you going to agree with me? Well, it's, it, it, you didn't give any of the reasons what why you would be correct or, or incorrect for the week before because last week you took Craig thinking that the ruts were going to benefit him over AC while completely forgetting how well AC rode at Detroit in all the ruts and how much better AC's been in the ruts than Craig. And now this weekend, the, Craig has been known to be, a, I think, a better hard-packed rider. He grew up in Southern California, El Cajon area, San Diego area. He's going to do very well on this track. Uh, I would like to take Craig. You already took Craig, and so I've already told you multiple times I'll never agree with you, even if I have to, <laughs> and probably should be. I'll go down with the ship. Uh, AC's been riding very well. I, I like so like, while we were doing the show, I was watching rewatching the, the 40 main event and again, and he was right up there. Those good starts. And Craig has yet to pull the trigger on being able to run up front in the main event. AC has multiple times. I think we've agreed that AC can get a whole shot. And now we've proven that Craig can get a 22nd place start and they'll meet somewhere in the middle, which is kind of usually where I spent my career getting a really good start and then kind of fading back and meeting whoever else was coming through the pack. So um, this one, I'm going to have to go with AC again. He's getting better and better. And uh, Craig's riding better as well, but I'm going to go with AC in this one, obviously just simply because you went with Craig and I will never let, I'll never side with you. <laughs> I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you guys sticking to the plan and uh, yeah, disagreeing with each other. May the best man win. Uh, like I said, there are no winners in all this. Uh, just a couple of guys spitting out facts. One of the things I love about this particular segment is you get two experts who uh like you can make a, the beauty of the sport is you can make a case for either one of us uh like and yeah so and and then someone gets to be wrong uh debo this one's coming at you hot uh oldenburg versus voland they are uh pretty close to each other in points speed and everything else in between who you got well i recently just popped out a top 10 uh east west uh, list i saw someone else uh, post one recently in a in an article and I, I was almost laughable i didn't even know if the person ever even watched a, a race all year long um, so I I'm going to go with Oldenburg. I, I, did, I didn't have Max in the top, uh, in my top 11, top 10 and a half, because I had the brothers up front at 1, 1. 1.5. And I had Oldenburg about ninth. The only person I maybe regret is maybe not putting Lopes in because um, he's actually beaten Oldenburg in every, every round so far except one. Max has kind of been uh, the trailer behind those guys. So I'm going to go with. Uh, Mitchell Oldenburg uh, with the with the position over Max Bowen. I think he's just smarter. I think he's got more more experience, and he gets those uh, those bikes, those Hondas run. He's going to get a good start. Max gets good starts too, but he seems to make mistakes and get kind of get caught up in it all. Where, where Oldenburg just has been, I've been there, done that situation for him, and I can see him running top five. Where uh, Max is probably going to be around eight to nine. So I'm going Oldenburg. What do you got, checks? I got you being wrong on the fact that. Uh, Max is going to be around eight or nine. I mean, he was, he's went five DNQ, five, seven, five. So he hasn't been anywhere near eight or nine all year. And it's triple crown. So at least we know he's going to make the main event. Um, get a good start. <laughs> I'm a big Oldenburg fan. I, I really appreciate the fact that he went from being that Pierce Brown type that was wide open fast, but crashing all over the place and has really steadied himself out to be super consistent. But I haven't seen the speed from him this year as much that he that he had. You know, he's not starting up front and battling with the lead group nearly as much. I mean, I remember last year there was times that he was qualifying second, third. I think he even was fastest at times. Um, and, I mean, his results the last two weeks have been eight and nine and have fallen off quite a bit. I do think he rides really well in Phoenix. I like the fact that he's 
older and more consistent for a triple crown. Like I think he'll finish all the races yeah. well, which makes me nervous with Voland. But the fact is, is Voland's been faster and I got to go with the guy with the speed and let it ride a little bit and hope that, you know, he's riding for a ride and he's also riding with more experience than he's ever had. Um, I think he'll qualify well. I think he, that factory KTM will get him off to a good start. And I have Voland beating Oldenburg. So I will definitely take Max Voland. But it'll be interesting to see because it means Max not beating himself. Because I think he beats Oldenburg if he doesn't beat himself. Fair enough. Yeah. Very well could happen. Uh, next one, we have a couple of guys who do extremely well at Triple Crowns. And in fact, I think they both have a Triple Crown uh, overall win. Um, Checker, or yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Checker, you get to go first on this one because uh, you just answered. So Ken Roxon versus El Hombre. El Hombre. Yeah, I mean, this is really interesting because of Roxon at the Triple Crown is is typically good. Um, he actually slid up to Ty Anderson in points, which is is pretty incredible. Um, it's better than I thought he was going to do this year. Um, he's kind of stabilized his results a little bit with this bike. You know, the last five races, he's been fifth. He did not win. I don't know why I have a one. Who he did win? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry, guys, brain fart. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a big yes, story. He, did. he went five seven one five six. Um, so he's kind of been hovering, kind of around that fifth place spot, with the exception of the win. Um, Anderson's been pretty terrible uh, for, for, compared to what we expected, I guess. Um, even with a ninth place finish, that was really bad in Detroit, which was a harder packed track um, where we expected him to maybe do better, but. Anderson typically delivers when it comes to Arizona and it's the second half of the season. There's no way I'm picking Ken Roxon. Um, you can have him Denny. Cause I think Anderson, you know, he's still averaging around a fifth place finish. He's been beating him a lot of the time. Um, I'm, I'm super confident about it as you can tell. And I'm a huge Jason Anderson fan. The whole year has been kind of a letdown for me. Um, I mean, we're not even talking about him maybe winning a race anymore at this point. And he had seven of the dang crazy. things last year. So crazy. Danny, yeah. you can, you can try to sell either side because I can't sell either of them very well. Cause I have no confidence in either one of them, but I'm taking Anderson. Well, I, I'm glad you kind of went a long break. Cause I, um, and he's been, you know, his best race of this year was, uh, was, uh, and I'm too, was, which was a triple crown. You got a second, uh, and one of uh, one of the one of the crowns, whatever you want to call it, uh, but I believe Roxon right now is riding a little bit better, and the starts are definitely better. Um, I think that we see Ken getting top three starts in all three of the crowns, where Jason has kind of had to push his way through the pack, and then all of a sudden we see him doing great things. The camera goes away from him, and next thing you know, he's on the ground again. Um, he doesn't sound confident in his interviews. He seems like he's as lost with his results as we are as fans, and and skeptics or guys who thought he was really going to come in swinging. So uh, I'm going to go with Ken because I think Ken's going to get the starts and he's, he's, he's feeling good on the bike. I think he's happy with things. I don't think we're really going to see that big second half fade that our buddy Stan predicts. And, and we've seen from Stan uh, from uh, Ken in the past. So uh, I'm going to go with the, the 94 of the Hep Suzuki and, and taking down Jason, which I would have not said a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, man, I, I thought, I think we're all ready for Jason to come in this year and, and swinging, but it's been Ken uh, kind of building this, building each round and taking that win. And I, I, I'm going to see rocks in, 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 in Phoenix or Glendale. Well, he's certainly won there before. Uh, next one. I think I know how this one's going to go uh, as well as uh, my blood pressure going up when uh, Denny con continues to insist on spelling the, or pronouncing this young man's name incorrectly, or maybe I'm saying it incorrectly. 
uh, is none other than Styles Robertson versus uh, not Carson Brown, um, Pierce, Pierce Brown. Pierce. Um, who are you going with, uh, Styles or Pierce? Debo. Well, I just like, like man, it's a tough call. Damn, I, do we even know if, if Robertson's going to be okay for next weekend for, yeah. for Phoenix? Fine. That was yeah, a big said he's fine. Digger. Oh, he is fine. I hadn't heard anything on his shoulder or anything, and uh, oh, yeah, he's just fine. watched rewatching Taylor and I it looked like his shoulder was pretty pretty jacked up but he dislocated uh, it for sure right like well, that, that's confirmed oh it was uh, they I'm not sure the press release just said he was going to be in Glendale and that he was okay so okay uh, that looked like well, dislocated that's, that's when your shoulder is down yeah. like that and you're like holding it that way that that is yeah. and like I've had shoulders go I could probably race two weeks later but yeah it's not comfortable at all well, I think one of our just just slipped this off the subject as we tend to do sometimes. Uh, one of Checkers' nice best friends, Matt Biden, uh, nearly beat Jerry McGrath in a, in a 50-foot step-up X Games battle with a shoulder that bopped out multiple times. I'll never forget him landing uh, like a ton of bricks as they do and in, in step up and and landing and literally punching his arm in the other to pop that son of a bitch back in. That's not an injury I've ever had. And, um, so yeah, I, I can't imagine ever doing what he did. What a badass Matt Biden is, uh, our good friend. And so I always got to throw him in there. Um, but as far as between Silas, Silas <laughs> and Brown, <laughs> I can't choose Brown, man. Uh, I choose him. I chose him on my fantasy team and it's just never gone well. Uh, I'm not, not a fan of his, but he needs I repeatedly, he, once again, on the ground early in the main event, did something stupid. Uh, so I'm going to go with Robertson. I was very impressed or not impressed, but I was pumped that he was going to get a chance at star. I kind of liked, uh, I was a fan of his at, at Husky. So I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep saying it. Mr. Styles Robertson in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Because you get Brown. I don't necessarily have to take Brown. I definitely hate taking Pierce <laughs> Brown. Um, I knew that I was going to get stuck with this and I still put it in there because now I have to make this decision. And the fact is I really like Styles Robertson. I have very little faith in his shoulder, but I have even less faith in the fact that Pierce Brown isn't going to crash at least once, probably twice throughout three main events in the triple crown. Yeah. What the hell am I? I, I mean, I must well just go jump off a bridge or something versus pick in this fucking category. I don't know who made this question, but they're an absolute idiot because my choices are go with the dude that's super banged up and agree with Denny or pick Pierce Brown and fuck it. We're picking Pierce Brown. We're going to, we're going to put it all together. We're getting on the podium at the triple crown. Let's yeah. go baby team gas, gas all the way gas, gas, fun, fun, all the way to the podium. Oh, yeah. might as well go down in flames if we're going to go down. Right? Well, well, there ever was, was there ever a chance for Pierce Brown to kick to, to be prove me wrong and prove you right? It just that's kind of in the script for our friendship over the years is that uh, some random random will uh, will definitely this is like take a the win. Torture chamber. Watch, watch Pierce Brown go one one two this week next weekend. <laughs> yeah, he still will not be on my fantasy team. No chance of no. Yeah, like, Jack, this is Jack the Chambers, ultimate. Rather marry a monster girl. Le- lesser of two evils guy with a banged up shoulder on one of the most gnarly longest nights of racing that he's got to race all three races and all that fun stuff or a guy who harnesses the the power of gravity on a regular basis uh getting through an entire night without completely dis- destroying his motorcycle or himself um yeah, yeah that like yeah. I, like i said at the top of this there are no winners when it comes to the segment um, it's only fitting though that i did uh the night that you said I would rather marry a monster girl than uh, pick Pierce Brown. I picked Pierce Brown and he laid out some good points and pulled for me. There you go. So, and I think Chambers um, made I don't know if I had, I think I had him in MXD as well. I think I had him in both and he delivered in both of the games for me. So yeah, damn it, man. we're just going to team up again and kick your ass again, Denny.
it happens. It happens. Well, didn't do a lot of kicking ass in, in this segment uh, last week. So uh, maybe maybe pipe down a little bit there, checks. But I do actually need you to speak up a little bit because this next segment starts off with you. Barsha versus Plessinger. Uh, the battle of the Austrian brands. A couple of guys who have very distinct riding styles. Who you got? Well, um, Barsha's ahead in points, but barely. AP's obviously been flashy, but Barsha's been hot. Um, I think that this is a really sweet matchup. <sighs> I just don't see AP getting it done for three of the main events where I think Barsha is going to be in the top five of all three of the, the races. I could see AP ripping out to a start in one of them and getting a, you know, second or third in one, but I don't think he can, you know, I think he'll also get a seventh or something in one. Uh, so I have to go with Justin Barsha just because of his consistently being there, but man, AP has been awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a really, really good race or two. I think it totally set me up on this one, honestly. Uh, you know, Barsha, we talked about, we just, I just talked, I think, three minutes about him earlier in this, uh, this show that how great he's been riding. AP's been riding phenomenally, too, but you look at his last five rounds, uh, you know, even though he, AP had one run, possibly could have won that one round, he's gotten beat by Barsha, I think, every other one. So I think you totally set me up on this, but I'll go with AP just despite you. Uh, and I think AP wants that win. We all, the entire fan base of, uh, of Supercross would love to see him get this chance out front. He's been getting phenomenal starts. Barsha's had to actually come through the pack and wear guys out. Uh, so I do like your, your your prediction that AP could get a, a possibly a whole shot and take off because he's not in this points chase and he can get away from these guys. And I think everybody else is so focused on themselves, as we saw in that uh, uh, Detroit round that allowed AP to get away because these guys are so bound for points from, from ET to Sexton to Webb to Roxton that these guys will inter, interact so much with themselves that AP can just take off. And I know we got three main events for him to get that done. So I just got to pray that it happens all three, all three of these crown rounds. So our crown main events, whatever the hell they're called, but I guess I'm going to have to go with Aaron Plessinger over <laughs> the Mr. Bam Bam of Justin Barsha just to bite checkers again or despite him. I like it. Um, so we next we're going to stay with Debo on this one. Uh, we got the Chef versus Lopes. Uh, both guys have been very dominant uh, at certain times. Uh, honestly, I think I think both guys are performing better than expected, uh, and that's what makes this one difficult. Who you got, Denny? I'm going to go with the Kitchen. That's not even a question. I think I'm a big fan of Lopes as well, uh, and he rode very well last week, as 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 Checker said. I don't. He kind of did invisibly from you know, 13th to fourth while the, the, the three up front were running and kitchen went himself a heat race looked good. The main event, he maybe struggled a little bit, but um, I think that there's a, I think kitchen has a brighter future. I think he's the one on the better structured team. Maybe I mean, nothing wrong with club MX. They're like, just let's just go with kitchen before I, I say anything more stupid here. Other than that, uh, I left Lopes off my top 11 team. I had kitchen in the top seven or eight. So for me, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. Just let's go to, with the chef. Well, I mean, Lopes is beating him in the points, so we have that going for us. Lopes is crazy fast. Uh, yeah. Lopes beat him last weekend. Um, I'm trying to convince myself of this as well. I mean, <laughs> Kitchen did win the other Triple Crown that we've had. Yeah. Um, and Lopes, and Lopes, it seems like any time I pick him and think he's going to do well, like an MXD, he has some weird grenade race. I love blue that I don't, I don't think any of us expect. He just doesn't crash necessarily. He just doesn't ride that good. But blazing fast speed, so... Let me interrupt you. Go with me. I got, think brother. Checkers is fucked on this one. Yeah, I mean, he, Lopes is coming off of a a high. I mean, he had an amazing ride last weekend. He was 13th at the end of lap one, but he was actually further back from that and came all the way back to fourth. 
um, and went around kitchen. So I can make that argument, but kitchen had a rock in his brakes, so he lost his brakes. Um, yes, I am absolutely effed because my choices are either agree with Denny or most likely be wrong. Um, I'm just, I Don't really agree. am becoming a fan of Enzo Lopes and he's yeah. I'm getting there where I'm starting to trust him a little bit more and starting to believe in him a little bit more. And maybe I just need to go all the way there and just start to trust him and believe in him. Um, he's not nearly as loose and sketchy as he used to be. Um, he's smoothed out a little bit. So, I mean, here's the thing. He's beating him in points. He beat him last weekend coming through the pack. So he's going to beat him again. I'm going to go ahead and go with Enzo Lopes. So I don't have to agree with Denny and because I'm going to be right. I like that. Don't agree with me. <laughs> I do I like make it. This, I can make this six and seven out this week. I think we're we're gonna have to like I know we're getting a gong from Ian, uh, but we're gonna have to have some sort of plaque uh, trophy made up. I was actually talking to uh, Max Anstey earlier um, today, and he said his favorite thing or thing he was looking forward to growing up was a trophy bigger than him, and he never got that. Um, so I'm sure there's some sort of bowling trophy on consignment that we can find for, uh, one of you to, uh, award to, and, uh, yeah, would, would not, uh, not hesitate to cover the shipping on getting that to whoever ends up winning this segment that has no winners, uh, especially when you have a, a versus question like this, Cole Seeley, a guy who won a supercross, uh, took at least four years off, I think, um, and uh yeah versus grant harlan and uh yeah unfortunately this last weekend grant got the better of of seely which no one really saw that coming unless like you're really down on seely um checkers who you got well first of all i want to start off by saying that grant harlan has had an incredible supercross season like yes he was struggling to make main events last year i think the only main he actually made in the 250 class was at daytona and now he's not only consistently in 450 mains but he's once he's in those main events, he's really solid and he's riding forward. He was 13th place last um, weekend. His average main uh, event scores 16th. Um, he's been in seven of the 11 main events. It's 19th in points. So he's been great. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is Cole Sealy, even if he's out of shape, barely been riding, he's won a flipping race in this 450 class before. And in fact, he's won at Phoenix before. I sat and watched it. He's amazing on the hard pack. I think he'll be better because I'm sure he was very worn out and tired last weekend, but did you guys see that racetrack? It was physically demanding and what a hellacious place to try to come back and race us first supercross of the year on with all the ruts and gnarly bumps and edges and how technical it was. And now we're going to go to a triple crown too, where the races are a little bit shorter. We're going to a venue that he's won. Um, Debo, you're screwed because Cole Sealy is going to smoke Harlan this weekend. I think. Man, I want to reach through the screen right now and give you a big hug and a kiss because there was no way in hell I was taking Cole Seely anywhere on this whole weekend. I've uh, he's had a great career. Uh, much respect for the way he rides a dirt bike. Uh, personally, I've never been a huge fan of his. Going back to just this last week on Twitter, someone had quest- posted a question: How do you think? Not to me directly. Just what do you think Cole Seely's going to do? And I said he's going to have a very well and hard earned fifteenth. And that fans who think a rider can come off the couch and uh, and run with the big boys are usually mistaken, but I think he'll run 15th. So good luck. And for some reason, well, he must be, I guess he was tagged in the, tw- in the Twitter uh, original comments. So he came off and said, I never said that or something and called me an idiot. And so he ran the 160 number, which is a, a kind of a, is, a, is a family number. It was my dad's first number, national number back in the seventies. 
and was my first number on MR50 until I raced uh, Ponca City NMA and got the number 360. So, um, so I made a post on Instagram basically telling him, I guess I was, I guess I'm in, I guess I am an idiot because I predict you get a 15th, you got a 21st, 21st, you know, dipshit. <laughs> so, um, and I heard a lot of people kind of comment the same thing that they weren't real big fans of him, but nonetheless, uh, Grant Harlan, I. I'm, I like him. He's cool. He's done. Uh, he's his, he is so sneakily what he's done in a supercross season this year. And I don't think I've picked him once, but he's been an incredible value. And in, uh, in any fantasy game of supercross, MXT 360 or any of our draft games, he's putting down, putting down very consistent results. And uh, so for me to take Grant Harlan uh, this weekend in, uh, in Phoenix is, is an honor. So thank you, Chex, for allowing me to take him and not the other guy. <laughs> I like it, boys. Uh, yeah, we're going to tabulate that, see who uh, who does what in two weeks' time after the Glendale Supercross. Last call, bonus prediction for you, absolutely for, from you, absolutely slobbering idiots. Uh, the, you guys make a mess of this every single week, but it's a weekend off. This weekend, we get to, and it's tomorrow night, all eyes will be fixed on the Arena Cross series. <clears throat> You'll see some injection of talent in uh, throughout the night and not just the girls holding the 32nd board. Uh, you have Kyle Peters, who is now a four-time champion in arena cross, the AMA arena cross series. Uh, he is not like your uh, reigning champion and now 2023 champion. Uh, and he'll be taking on the, uh, the general tire super arena cross champion in Michael Hicks. Last time they got together, Hicks got the better of uh, Kyle Peters, but at the same time, Hicks was on a 450 and on a big stadium uh, like they had in, uh, where were they? Guthrie. Guthrie, Oklahoma. Beautiful. I Actually, I'd really like to go uh, attend that event because that, that floor looks awesome. Uh, looking forward to doing that next year. But we got the AX uh, expert in Debo who, uh, who, who raced these damn races, uh, as well as Czech who's going to respond. So who you got this weekend, Kyle Peters or Michael Hicks, Denny? Um, what city are they in exactly? I, I've got uh, Louisville. That. Louisville, Kentucky. Well, I, I couldn't be happier for Robbie McCoury. I'm more proud of him and, and his partner. So good. They're doing, bringing uh, Rena Cross to the forefront again. Uh, sat and talked to him for uh, quite a long time at Loretta Lynn's this year. You know, while he was even done with his race, I think I was still sweating more than he was. Um, and I was just there hanging out with Jaggers. Um, but he, he, he believes in what this series can bring to the table. I think we're seeing Supercross riders who are green because on the weekends off now, they're going and racing. So just to round that up, that conversation of just what I'm spitting out is great job, Amy Arena Cross, great job, McQuarrie, and the whole everybody to believe in it, all the riders. So with that said, I'm going to have to go with Kyle Peters. I believe he's racing a little bit more of a demanding series than Hicks, although Hicks has been racing Supercross and had some very solid results. Uh, I know that to champ Peters, is he's not racing AMA Supercross after he's getting prepared for uh, the World Supercross uh, series. But I know that the champion, I know the eagle that runs in arena cross, it runs in every sport, but I think it runs stronger in arena cross because it's just a, such a small knit group. And I think we saw a fight. We're going to see a penalty box, I guess, for a couple of guys that got in a fight this last week. The Denny also. Stevenson penny, penalty box, by the way. I Is had that really? named after you. Wow. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. Anyways, uh, Kyle Peters taking down Michael Hicks in uh, Louisville, Kentucky at the finale. And uh, all hats off to everybody. I wish them both the best of luck and uh, knock someone down. I hope, I, hope, I hope one of them cleans the other one out in the last corner. I like it. Well, if anyone's going to do any cleaning out, it definitely won't be Kyle Peters because he just he honestly doesn't race like that. He avoids those situations as much as he can. But Michael Hicks has a big old goal 
to try to you know make a name for himself and he has the most to gain from this situation he already beat him once i don't care if he's on a 450 he's still lined up out of his championship but he's still had his own championship to you know worry about to stay healthy for peters and has wrapped up his title hicks has wrapped his title up so this time there's no excuses of we're just protecting a championship hicks is going to come in he's going to be the enemy absolutely 100 percent, and i guarantee he will embrace that the dude has insane talent and he has a lot to prove and you know here's the thing we all know kyle peters is great he has years of supercross experience podiums to back that up but he's also older and wiser and he knows that he, when to shut the throttle off you know what michael hicks doesn't know is when to shut the throttle off when he wants something like this um i watched one of the most amazing knockdown drag out ghost rides ever at uh, the council bluff serena cross when i came down to hang out with you guys for new year's um from grant harlan who we were just talking about after he got a slam fest with uh with hicks he knows how to play that game um he's got the most to gain and he's on a freaking storm like honda so i'm not gonna let my teammate down he does air wheelies for me when he wins sometimes let's go michael hicks baby we're gonna make this thing hopefully very entertaining i know i'll be on my couch with popcorn watching this thing live on the ride tv app tomorrow night well, the funny thing is you said about Hicks coming in, you know, they do, they ride two different series. And I know for a fact that if this would have been uh, late nineties, uh, early two thousands or running across that Michael Hicks would have not only had to deal with the champ that he would have to deal with everybody. And we would have probably put him down in practice as, uh, as we would do, but I think it's a different area about maybe Bitterman or somebody will, will kind of put him down or something, get his attitude. But as you said, Hicks is used to that. He's a very aggressive rider, very fast corner speed seems to be outrageous. Um, so it's, I look forward to it. Great question. Uh, power to the arena cross series, a way to bring it back. Yeah. I think the, the sport is, is better when arena cross is a healthy series. I, I truly, truly believe that, uh, it's a discipline in and of itself. Uh, it, it creates, uh, stars in its own realm. Um, and I think it, it's, it's in a great spot. It's time once again to debate with Debo. And this time we got a double down, um, with uh with a part two question uh part of it brought to you by gl's drunk picks on twitter can you explain a little bit of that there checkers um he posted the question and i thought it was really good so the first part of it is um the first part of this question actually i took from him on twitter so i'm just giving him a shout out because i stole his content i like that fair enough we don't uh, we don't steal things uh aside from uh versus question wins which is denny's uh uh expertise denny uh is the problem with chase uh because of the bike the trainer the coach or is it only rider uh, i think it's absolutely mental um <clears throat> and i'll use the perfect example that i used against you guys when you were trying to tell me that he was going to come back from a 13 point deficit that all of a sudden uh, leopard wasn't going to change his spots <clears throat> And he wasn't all of a sudden going to become this mentally strong rider who was going to break Cooper Webb and Eli Tomac simply because of speed. His speed is there. He is not mentally strong enough um, to, with those guys just yet, uh, no matter how fast he is. And I'll go back to two weeks ago when he jumped on a red cross flag, a flash red lights, even though the red flashing lights were in a red tough block, which again, fell, pull your head out of your ass on that one. Um, but nonetheless, he made a mistake mentally. He, 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 he didn't crash, but he jumped, and uh, that's no different to me than a crash. And then he backs it up last weekend while he's out front once again with about seven minutes left, or I think it was 10 minutes left in the main event. He tucked the front end again and went down. Um, I don't think it's the motorcycle, and that's my main example is because he made still a mental error when he was out front and it was jumping on a red cross flag. So, and then he backed it up with another crash with the front end. So, um, I believe it's more mental than anything else. 
Fair enough. So uh, with that comes the next question. The last question on this particular episode, um, which is, does Chase working with Alden Baker, uh, who is uh, was featured on the most recent ep- uh, edition of Five Guys, the column that I do on Verb Moto, want to hear from Alden, just go check that out. Uh, also looking to do a podcast with him tomorrow. Uh, does working with Alden help if slash when he goes over to KTM? I think it absolutely will help him. And um, I don't know Alden really at all. And it's kind of bullshit with sometimes when I run it in the pits over the years. Um, but look what he's done mentally made these guys razor sharp. He'll either break you mentally, physically, or just make you all the better. And I think look what he did with Webb. You know, Webb went from a championship season to uh, pictures of him looking fat on the back of his helmet because he thought it was funny and completely being the, the most highest paid uh, local off-road racer in this country in 2021. What a turnaround. We need yeah, to talk about that year, after this. I mean, that's just got to be another perfect example of him who's a razor sharp mentally when he started riding for KTM with Alden. Uh, the year he stepped away was his worst year he'd been with the, the, the KTM team. He reunites with Alden and now is having another one of his best years of his career. I, there's no question that Chase has everything he needs he just needs that mental sharpness and whatever Alden tells these guys and works with these guys. Uh, the fact that he's gone from a bicycle racer uh, to working with Ricky to just being one of the best in the industry and even being a riding coach without really being a racer has just been pretty phenomenal. And I think Chase will definitely benefit from that uh, as much as anybody has in, in the past. So uh, I think it's a plus for him and exactly feeds into my first one that the mental aspect is, is lacking and Alden will bring it 100%. Thoughts on that, Checkers? We are debating with Debo after all. <laughs> um, I think that I think there has to be something that is that is more than just mental causing the issue, um, because it's so consistent and happening so much. Uh, I don't know whether it's, whether it's the way he has his bike set up or anything. I actually want to point to. I think that it would be really good for him to get a riding coach other than his dad, and the reason being is just a fresh eyes to look at the situation i've been kind of watching and it looks like he sits um back straight up quite a bit leaving the corners and it's taking the weight off the front end that's what i'm starting to maybe see a little bit of a pattern with and what actually called me to look at that and bring that question up was um as far as the technique side of things was i was watching rj hampshire ride and he also rides with his back really straight coming into the corners and he always is notorious obviously for pushing his front end in the corners so I'm wondering if that technique is um, is something that needs to be addressed. That was something that Adam Cianciarillo talked about. Um, we watched it with McAdoo um, of changing technique to prevent crashes. And it's really worked for McAdoo going to Nick Way and having him there to change his riding style a bit. You know, I don't think it's just mental that McAdoo's not crashing because he's still trying just as hard and just as gnarly. Um, so I do think that going to a different riding coach could probably help. Um, he had Stu for a while and obviously that didn't work, but I think I would be going to somebody. I'd be trying anything I can at this point to fix that problem. Um, I, I thank you for reminding me. I, I've actually said this either on our thread or somewhere else because I, I tend to have multiple, uh, not you know, same opinions, but voice them differently in different spots, and I tend to forget. Is that obviously Chase Sexton has probably one of the most precise riding styles we've seen in years, which in, for my ear is very uh, uh, reminiscent of David Bailey. Um, you know, very precise up over the top of the bike head over the handlebar crossbar pad. That's kind of what I went to multiple Gary Bailey schools and that's what he always taught us. I tended to wonder with that same four uh, body position, if that translates as it's the same success from a 252 stroke or 125 or whatever back in the day to a heavier, faster, faster 450. Um, 
and that was something I, I questioned because I do see Chase sitting more further back on the bike a little bit. His head's not so far over the front, although we are still still seeing those same uh, mistakes with pushing the front end. But um, I think he's they, they've they've recognized that maybe that be riding that earlier position of over the top might have been an issue because I do see him riding differently physically and the body positioning, but he's still going down. So for me, that would translate to this still mental and not so much. But again, as I've said, and I think we all agree on any, any type of change when things aren't necessarily working uh, is always positive. And, uh, and, and especially when you're going to a successful program like Alvin Baker. Yeah, certainly, that certainly could be uh, a difference maker. I think that that would be something that that certainly helps him. It's helped guys in the past. Uh, Lord knows that. Um, I think working with Alden has uh, has a lot to do with the success that uh, Dungey had throughout the the tail end of his career. Uh, you can also maybe probably equal parts uh, responsibility of the fact that um, he did a lot of his winning when. Um, Ryan Villapoto was gone, but either way, I don't think you could pinpoint a guy who was hurt by, by, by working with, with Alden. Maybe they weren't able to be the same race winner as a lot of his other clients. Like obviously he still works with AP who's yet to get a win for a very short period of time when he worked with Dino who hasn't gotten a win in the 450 class, um, Jake Weimer, stuff like that. But by and large, Alden Baker, uh, in my, in my opinion, it's just he he's that good you know what i mean i i you can't knock anything that he um that he he implements i know there's some guys who have had issues with the diet and stuff like that but uh the fact that he's been able to work with cooper webb and turn and help turn around a career like basically a career that a lot of people had almost completely had like like 10 months ago twice for him yeah yeah 10 months ago he like people had him completely written off and, and now he's tied in points, red plate, and uh, there's a lot of people who've come out of the woodwork and saying that he's uh, one of the best to ever do it. So, uh, I yeah. I just wanted to add to on the the chase thing that the way that he rides is so precise. Um, and Denny made me think of that is he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So when he does make them, he doesn't have as much experience of yeah. bringing them back and saving them. But where if you watch like an Anderson or a Barsha they make a lot of little mistakes and ride loose, but they are almost reactionary. Like they let, let the bike go and then they react to what it's doing um, where chase is very precise and it's expects it to go where it's going to go. And when it doesn't, he almost can't catch it and save it. So maybe it comes down to um, figuring out how to save these from being crashes and just being mistakes somehow um, versus completely preventing them, like getting comfortable knowing, okay, my front end's pushing, I need to do this to not actually crash. I might blow off, miss my line, but I'm not going to completely cartwheel myself through the, through the air. Um, that might be something too, but I don't know how you necessarily change that without just slowing down and not making the mistakes at all. And slowing down doesn't seem like I an will, option. I will end this. No, that's fantastic. That's perfectly well said. Um, I'll end this whole entire show telling you, I might give you a lot of shit, but you do say some, uh, some fun stuff that I like always building off of. And that was a perfect, uh, perfect example to chase I, uh, man, that's because I've even said that he could turn the littlest crashes as simply as pushing the front end into a complete grenade because I don't think he is re uh, reactionary to what's going to happen because he is so used and so precise that when the littlest thing happens, it's not even, yeah, he's not prepared for it. Whereas someone like Barcha and, and Andor are so off the side of the bike and, and letting the work work under them that, uh, yeah, sometimes the littlest thing to chase just a crash when he landed in the valley that uh, after the finish and the bike shot out. And then again this week, 
front end pushes a little bit and he, he catches and it shunts him over the bars. The one weekend when he folded the front wheel, I mean, it's, it's such simplest things. It seems like Ando or Bam Bam would be already ahead of that. He is already, he's so far behind it when it happens that he's not reactionary enough. So yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, great conversation checkers. Well done. Absolutely. Great conversation. Uh, great to connect with all these people who are watching. Uh, incredible to me that we actually have the, the most amount of people watching right now um, as we've had at, at any one point throughout the show. Uh, that means a lot. I really appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten, uh, whether it be DMs or tweets, uh, you name it. Um, and so uh, we, we actually failed to uh, execute this properly last week, but we're actually going to do it now. Um, in the two weeks, uh, between now, actually in the, the time between now and when this, the race starts in Phoenix, we are going to draw for a set of a free gold valve kit from race tech, uh, and how we're going to give it away is all you have to do. If you're listening to this in the archive, watching it now on, on, uh, on YouTube live or, or whatever you guys, uh, happen to do is uh, you want to uh, tweet us. Hopefully you have Twitter. Uh, otherwise, you can send me a direct message at uh, brad at verbmoto.com. Um, but, uh, or you can email me there. Uh, but uh, you, have to, you, have to, you, have to, you have to be following Race Tech. You have, to, you have to tag myself, Debo, and Checkers in the tweet and uh, make your case as to why you deserve to have, the, why you need this gold valve kit. <laughs> Um, and we're going to pull that before the race drops on Easter weekend, the Saturday. Uh, so make your case, uh, tag the three of us, tweet at us, and uh, yeah, may the best, best person win. Looking forward to getting some awesome entries and hooking some people up, uh, somebody up, somebody very lucky with uh, this uh, this uh, gold valve kit. So thanks for everybody who took the time to list, to watch this port in the show. We uh, we appreciate everyone taking the time. I wish you would do something instead of uh, why they need that. They should make up a funny line about why Denny is always wrong. <laughs> that would also be acceptable. I will accept both answers. Uh, bonus, accept bonus entry. <laughs> bon like I want to know why you need this, but bonus entry if you can then send an extra, an additional tweet as to explaining why Denny's always wrong. And, and the hair, I was going to end the show with thanking you both for your hard work and thank you for thank digging you. in there, both of you. But now uh, I'm unappreciative of both of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks everyone for taking the time to to watch this show or listen to it. Hopefully, you enjoy it. If you're watch, listening to this on Big MX Radio, uh, subscribe on YouTube. We hit 100 100 subscribers uh, today. Which uh, 10 years from now, when I look back at it, uh, being proud of 100 followers is going to be pretty surreal. Uh, we're going to keep building this. We're going to keep working on this, uh, bringing more and more content to you guys, and we're enjoying it. Uh, hit that notification bell so you never miss a single episode or anything that I post here on YouTube. Uh, thanks for watching. Get after it. Get out on your motorcycle. Enjoy it. And as as always to you guys, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, brother. Thank you, everybody.